0: Welcome, podcast listeners. Today we have a fantastic bonus episode for you. We recently published our new book, The Best Investment Writing, Volume 2. The first one was a hit, with Money Week concluding that it should be on every investor's bookshelf. But we made the second volume even better. We expanded it to include 41 hand-selected investment articles written by some of the most respected money managers and investment researchers in the world. We are really proud of it. We also thought it would be fun to bring on some of the authors and have them read their specific chapter from the book. So that's what you're getting in today's special bonus episode. If you're interested in picking up a copy of the Best Investment Writing Volume 2, head on over to Amazon or our publisher's website, which is Harriman House. Also, know that your purchase will be benefiting charities as all the writer proceeds to go to the charity of the specific author's choosing. So enough from me. Let's get to our guest author takeover with this special bonus episode.
1: Hi, this is Jeremy Schwartz, Director of Research at Wisdom Tree Investments, an ETF company. You can read more from us on wisdomtree.com. I'm going to read a chapter from The Best Investment Writing, Volume 2, titled Net Buybacks, Supplement Dividend Yields and the Support Future Per Share Growth. I started working with Wharton finance professor Jeremy Siegel in 2001, right after he started cautioning investors about the very scented valuations in big cap tech stocks when he called them a sucker's bet in a Wall Street Journal editorial on March 14th of 2000. Many are worried that the current environment we have currently rhymes with those late 99 and early 2000 days, with big cap tech stocks again dominating market indexes and pushing up overall market valuation levels. The most bearish market prognosticators tend to focus on extended market valuations using the cyclically adjusted price-to-earnings ratio, the CAPE ratio. Robert Schiller and Jack Bogle provided two examples of those forecasters who tend to be more subdued in their outlook for U.S. equities. I saw Jack Bogle present his outlook for 10 returns at the 2017 annual CFA conference in Philadelphia, and Bogle suggested we've seen strong gains in the market over the last 35 years that resulted from valuation expansion, so he had a subdued outlook. Bogle's model was fairly simple. Take the 2% dividend yield on the market today – Add in his personal estimates of 4% earnings growth and subtract 2% from speculative market activity or his anticipation of a decline in valuation ratios over the coming decade. And you come up with an outlook for 4% returns over the coming decade. If we assume there is 2% inflation, this would lead to just a 2% real return after inflation. Note that this is largely similar to Schiller's outlook for returns from high keep ratios. One chart that I think is not talked about enough in context of valuation changes on the market is the dividend payout ratio of the market. I show in this chapter a smooth 10-year average dividend payout ratio in the spirit of Schiller's 10-year smooth earnings for the CAPE ratio. Prior to 2000, the dividend payout ratio averaged 60%. Since 2000, the dividend payout ratio has averaged 40%. This change in the nature of how firms reinvest their earnings, conduct stock buybacks, and pay dividends is absolutely critical to the future earnings growth we are likely to get. Those who assume that earnings growth rates will revert to some historical average growth rate when firms paid out 60% of their earnings as dividends are assuming that all this money not being paid out, used for either buybacks or other reinvestment in the business, is being completely wasted. That is an incorrect assumption in my view. We also chart a rolling 10-year and 20-year earnings growth rate of the CAPE, earnings per share that Schiller uses to make his dower forecasts on the market. If these numbers were to mean revert, that would be a cautionary tale for the markets. But in my view, the earlier declining dividend pay ratio means we're likely to see upside changes to these earning figures. What is possible? Changing dividend pay ratios have already translated to better earnings growth. Prior to 1982, the average dividend yield on the U.S. equity market was approximately 5% per Shiller's data. And we had an average dividend pay ratio of nearly two-thirds of earnings paid out as dividends. With only a third of earnings reinvested, firms were still able to achieve earnings growth of 3.3% per year. Now, since 1982, pay ratios declined to an average of 51%, with the same time firms started conducting stock buybacks. The average EPS growth during this period of reducing dividend per shares was an increase of 230 basis points per year, from the previous long-term average of 3.3% per year to 5.6% per year. In just the latest year, there has been a large increase in earnings with 16% year-over-year growth in 2017, with an average yield of 2% and an average dividend per share of 45.6%. When we look at the last 20 years, and particularly the last seven, we see consistent signs of 2% dividend yields with 2% net buyback ratios. The latest trailing 12-month net buyback for the S&P 500 was 1.84%. These net buybacks are going to continue to support earnings growth for the 10-year look-ahead period. These firms have locked in future EPS growth because they reduced their shares outstanding. Returning to my previous analysis, where I showed the earnings growth since 1982 as being higher than the previous 110 years, the current, the current dividend payout ratios are consistent with an even further drop in the payout ratios from since 1982. I can see a case that earnings growth picks up even further from that 5.6 per year mark that we had for the period 1982 to 2017. It would not surprise me to see earnings growth of 6 to 7 percent per year over the next decade. The standard pushback is that firms are just levering up to conduct stock buybacks, That interest rates are at historical lows leading to higher margins that are sustainable. The reverse case is that changing composition of companies to higher margin businesses that have more revenue abroad with lower tax rates than in the U.S. also means margins may not be mean reverting anytime soon either. Of course, no one knows how the future will unfold, including me. The charts above caution anyone relying on historical patterns of earnings growth trends from over them into the future. Professor Siegel looks at the earnings go of the market associated with the 20 price-earnings ratio and thinks 5% is a pretty good indicator of long-term, after-inflation, real returns. Add an inflation of 2%, you get nominal 7% returns. This is a touch below the historical 6.5% to 7% that he showed in stocks for the long run as being historical return to U.S. equities, but is not dramatically different. I think his model for looking at the markets makes more sense than some of these more dour predictions for what that's worth.